Hello and welcome to Apocalypse Music, the podcast, with me, Hermione Kello, and me, Pia Rose Scattergood. For those of you who don't know us, we're two recent music graduates currently trying to navigate the new musical landscape, which has become rather apocalyptic of late due to COVID-19. Join us as we discuss everything from current affairs to new music and music news. And for anyone listening who's also trying to make things happen at the moment, whether it's composing, listening or curating, we want to hear from you. Talk to us and get involved with the conversation. Hello and welcome back to Apocalypse Music, the podcast. It's episode seven and it's our Galentine's Day special. Pia, how are you feeling about Galentine's Day? Not Valentine's Day. Because Valentine's Day doesn't exist. <laughs> well, I think it's just like every day nowadays, to be honest. It just all blares into one. I think probably the one upside of lockdown is that we can kind of escape from the sort of capitalist fodder that's associated with mm-hmm. Valentine's Day, you know. But maybe that's very cynical of me, but it is my birthday on Friday, which I'm very looking forward to. Um, and yeah, that's kind of the focus of my week. And Valentine's Day will probably be spent watching The Vampire Diaries, which I've been <laughs> binging on Shout Netflix. Out. <laughs> yeah. How about you? How are you feeling about it? Do you know what? I, I'm feeling great because the best perk of Valentine's Day is post-Valentine's Day when all the chocolate goes on sale. It's reduced, yeah. So I do. reduced chocolate because they spend all their marketing budget on hearts. But do you know who else <laughs> like hearts? Me. Do you know who's not in love? Me. <laughs> so if it's on discount, I will eat it. Like I will buy it, I'll have it, it's mine. It's going to be so cheap. But do you know what? It's so funny. I've been getting so existential about about everything. You know, I'm turning 22 and this time last year, my birthday was... It wasn't a birthday, it was a birth week of celebrations. Obviously, that's not going to happen this year. But I thought back to last year, what I was doing for Valentine's Day. I actually did a gig in oh Claire God. Sellers with my band Moonflower and I was doing the social media so I was like hyping everyone <laughs> up being like you don't have plans you're single you know what no problem come down to Claire Sellers literally there was no one in this spot <laughs> I did, do think I remember this I we did I the remember. best gig it was a really good gig um and yeah we sang one of um I don't know how well you know Lewis Cole's music but we sang one of his well I sang one of his songs called When You're Ugly the lyrics are basically just talking about you know if you're ugly then what you gotta do is dust fuck the world and be real cool <laughs> which obviously is kind of anti-valentine's day rhetoric not really in keeping with the whole vibe but also i think it really attests to the whole you know self-care self-love kind of vibe that we've got going on in this podcast you know it sounds great and actually it kind of leads quite well into our new playlist which we're bringing out it's a we've curated a very exciting playlist called our Galentine's Day Bangers. It's absolutely stock full of just tracks that will make you dance, tracks that make you think, jokes tracks that, you know, the typical ones like by the Spice Girls and those kind of ones. And then you've also got um like ones that are slightly more delving into female sexuality, like Marika Hackman's hand solo and stuff. Um so these kind of takes on females that have been quite different recently or slightly more open and more honest. So 
it's always good to have a bit of a mix, a bit yeah, of variety. I think so too. And we've both come to the conclusion that it could it could easily have been 100% Lizzo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wrote my in, my undergraduate dissertation on Lizzo. For everyone who doesn't know that, I'd be surprised if there's a person on this planet that doesn't know that because I basically <laughs> told everyone <laughs> last year. But um, yeah, self-care and empowerment of like, you know, central themes throughout her tracks. And she got me through my final year of uni and I... Needless to say, I think she'll get me through this year too. I mean, I did start... I found it funny because I messaged you as soon as we started curating it. And I was actually finding it quite difficult at the beginning because I started to realise that actually so much of the music that we listen to is about um, heterosexual relationships or, like, love or quite, like, standard topics. And actually, there isn't as much music about kind of female empowerment or women being and everything together or I thought so and then I kind of the more I delved into it and the more I thought about it I was like oh of course there's this and there's this and there's this so for all of you getting together doing zoom calls cocktail evenings for Valentine's day you know you can <laughs> pump up this playlist and you know enjoy it leading quite nicely on this week, we've been very lucky to chat to the brilliant Vic Bain. She's the founder of The F List, which is a directory of UK female musicians. It's kind of come about over the past year as a result of obviously there not being many women in the music industry, despite them making up 50% of music undergraduates in the UK. They're an initiative as well, trying to promote change in the industry and embrace diversity and inclusion as part of it. We're very grateful because Vic has actually let us put some of this interview into our podcast. So here is what she had to say on the F list, how it came about and a bit about herself as well. Well, I've worked in various parts of the, well, mainly the music industry, some of the creative industries uh, as well, but mainly music for 25 years. I worked um, for a good portion of that with composers and songwriters. So I... um, worked for a membership organisation called the British Academy of Songwriters, Composers and Authors. It's now rebranded as the Ivers Academy because it owns the Ivor Novello Awards. So that was was lots of fun and I I really got into um, campaigning and lobbying on on behalf of writers and and I was particularly interested in in female composers and songwriters there because there were so few of them. Yeah. So that that's that side of things really interested me. So um, two years ago, I I left and I became a uh, an independent diversity consultant. I'm studying for um, a part time PhD, looking at women's careers in the music industry, and uh, yeah, working working with lots of uh, really interesting companies wanting to Im- improve their diversity and inclusion was there kind of a particular moment then where you almost were like oh my god there really are like hardly any women doing this or getting recognition for what they're doing was there kind of a moment where you went that's something I want to be involved in I think it was a slow gradual awareness that it sounds silly now looking back at it I'm like how could I not see that uh you know but I was I was working in you know having lots of meetings and being in boardrooms and various uh, events and things where you know it was probably 80 or 90 percent men in the in, in in the room so you know that um and I did try to have the conversation with the, you know uh, a few people a number of times um you know saying things like 
Do you think the music industry has a gender problem? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it was always denied, uh, you know, even though we'd be in a room full of men, you know, what do you mean? No, you know, it's it's a... it's a hundred years since women got the vote and it's, you know, all of that sort of thing. So I, it, I think when I really started to see it starkly is when I started looking at the actual, the actual statistics. And 10 years ago, there wasn't very much data out, out there. But because uh, Basker owned the Ivan Novello Awards, I decided to have a look at the, the data. It was over 65 years worth of data because it was started in the 1950s so very you know long long-standing awards and um i crunched all of the all of that um that data looking at the winners and realized only six percent of those awards had gone to women wow only six percent and that had only gone up to ten percent since 2010 mm. so in the past decade it's uh, only ten ten percent so when you look at statistics like that then you go what is going what is going on you know what what's 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 causing that so i think that was a key moment for for, for me i really wanted to find out what what was going on yeah so how did the f list come about what was the kind of inspiration i guess that is the inspiration behind it but yeah how did that yeah that was very much the the the, the inspiration because then you, you know talking to um, the awards team, you know the people who ran who ran the the awards and the judging process, they explained to me well, um, actually it's you know it's the publishers who nominate the works of the songwriters and composers, and they're not submitting many works by women. So the pool, you know, the pool that comes through, there's not there's not so there's not so many women. And I thought, oh, okay, so it's that pipeline yeah. into these major award ceremonies, and uh, you know, like the Brits, the labels uh, submit submit the, their their works, and they have a similar a similar problem, though it's it's slightly better um, percentages. So I thought, okay, so the publishing companies and the record labels with the Brits. So who are they representing? Who who have they signed? Who have they got on their rosters? I thought, oh, okay, I'll have a, I'll have a look, and um, it actually, <laughs> it was a very time-consuming process. It took four months of analysing. Oh gosh! So I'd, I identified over, identified over three hundred labels and publishing companies based in the UK, and I copied all of their roster data off their websites and put it into big spreadsheets, and then did a, a gender analysis of who who they were representing. So I published that that report at the end of 2019. It's called Counting the Music Industry. Basically, I found out only 14% of um, writers signed to publishing companies were women, but only 20% of artists signed to labels. But in the process of doing all of that work, I realized that I did have, as a consequence, the, the names of thousands of women who were signed or who yeah. were in bands, yeah, and all of their label and publishing um, um, inf- information. So um, there was a Twitter a Twitter exchange going on last January, and um, all of the Leeds Reading posters had yeah. had been uh, the lineups had been had been published. You know, and Lucy McCourt, who takes off all of the um, all of the the male acts and just leaves. He, 
you can just see the you know the women who are performing, and it's usually you know two or three people at the bottom of the bottom of the lineup. And people, you know, and people always do this. They go, oh, but I know, I know a woman. I know a female musician, or I know a band with a woman. You know, so they're sort of suggesting one or one or two acts. And I thought, oh, I've got a list of thousands. <laughs> um, I'll just publish it as a Google spreadsheet. Mm. So I think at the time there was about three. I got three and a half thousand names. Um, um, and I, I, I published that Google spreadsheet, and that caused quite a stir, really, in February, February last year, when you know when we still were going to have festivals at that point. And I got contacted by quite a number of festivals, saying this is a brilliant, this is a brilliant idea, and uh, uh, you know. So I talked to quite a lot of promoters who thought it was really useful and were using it. Um, you know, not, unfortunately, everything everything's been on pause since. Um, but I, you know, decided in 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 lockdown, I decided to spend last year improving that Google spreadsheet and creating a much a much uh, better functioning proper website where you can now search for genres or locations or instruments um, or musician type, um, and w women can add their own listings on as well. So I've got nearly five thousand. Wow. names on the on the on the f list which is just extraordinary if you want to check out the full interview or find out more about the f list and how you can get involved check out our website where the feature is already up on a completely different note those of you who follow us on instagram at apoca music will know that we have been trying our hand at a few tiktok challenges which have been they have been fun to make haven't they yeah i've really enjoyed it I wasn't expecting to. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm so glad we had this idea, Hermione, because I feel like we are booking the trend. I mean, we've spoken so much about how TikTok has been so crucial over the last year for not only established practitioners from varying different career paths, but also emerging artists and young professionals to actually get content out there and network. And by producing, you know, 15 second, 60 second videos, using audio that's maybe been written or produced by an up-and-coming artist that you've never heard of, um, or maybe a song that you listened to when you were younger and has completely transported you back to your youth. There's so much, and there's so much scope. Um, not all of it good, but most of it, you know, it's very creative. Yeah, like you said, it's really interesting to see how actually TikTok is impacting the music industry and that we have all of these tracks that have become so well known. I mean, who would have thought a sea shanty would suddenly be something that we could all sing and that we'd all recognise? And that is thanks to TikTok, really, for exposing us to these different kinds of music. So you can follow us at Apoca Music on TikTok. And our latest challenge was a little challenge called the hashtag front row fashion trend. So on the other side of the creative industry, obviously fashion brands have also had to adapt to this new digital landscape, which we find ourselves in. And virtual run race shows have become the new norm. So that has completely transformed the viewing and seating process of a fashion event. It's been completely democratised in the sense that anyone can tune in via a phone or a laptop. So in this particular TikTok challenge, People are invited to create their own sartorial style moments by dressing up as if they were going to sit front row at Fashion Month, wearing clothes from their wardrobe, designer, non-designer, whatever. 
And so with London Fashion Week coming up in a matter of weeks, we thought it would be really fun to do a little musical take on this trend with a bit of a twist. Mm-hmm. We did it concert dress edition. So as if you're just about to go play in a concert, wearing your all blacks, you know, I kind of loved that spin on it. And it made me realise how many black clothes I have because of playing in concerts that I haven't been able to wear for a good year. I had friends messaging me being like... You know, you don't realise this was basically you, 90% of Cambridge, running around <laughs> from, like, rehearsals to concerts to the, to a celebratory after party, but then, like, to a night out with friends who don't do music and just literally changing a top or not even changing anything and just going in, like, your concert dress um, wherever you're going. Like, that was just that was just us the entire time. So we were fully qualified to have a good have a go at this challenge really i've really loved actually watching those front row fashion ones because it kind of chimes with me that even when we're not able to do these things even when we're not actually buying clothes to go out or anything people are still finding ways to kind of get a bit of that joy or you know imitate it slightly i mean it was really fun to do and it was fun to get dressed and to do my makeup and i haven't done that like probably in a year (laughs) something like that as well yeah so future challenges if anyone listening is a bit of an avid tiktoker and wants to see us doing some particular trends get in touch yes please get in touch i've seen a few that i have my eye on i do want to do those riff challenges we will have to dust off the instruments and give some of them a go maybe an apocalypse music sea shanty is the way to go yes maybe we could do an apocalyptic style of it like as if we're zombies <laughs> with kind of like horror film green screen behind us <laughs> iconic i rate that so besides prancing about on tiktok our website www.apocalypsemusic.co.uk is fully up and running as ever and we have a really really exciting piece of content dropping this week so in addition to obviously finn's amazing apocalypse session that we had on last week Blossom Calderon is someone for us this week and I love Blossom. Her music is just brilliant. She has major kind of Lily Allen vibes, but she's just a brilliant songwriter, brilliant singer, all round lovely person as well. And we're just really happy to have had her on. Definitely go check her out. Her Apocalypse session is up now. It is indeed. And you can also go view the rest of the sessions on our Apocalypse Music YouTube channel. Don't forget to like, share and subscribe for more. Besides all of the excitement surrounding Valentine's, Galentine's, or however you'd like to refer to it, this month is also LGBTQ History Month. Now, some of you who read our weekly news feature, which we update every Sunday, will know that we often list our TV and music recommendations for the week, things that have been getting us through the lockdown, keeping us going. And my top mention for this month has to be It's a Sin, directed by Russell T Davis for Channel 4. For those of you who haven't seen it, It's a Sin is a poignant mix of joy and heartbreak. The series follows the lives of a group of young gay men in London, all from incredibly conservative families, at the start of the AIDS epidemic. It's as much a dramatic masterpiece as it is a stark lesson in history, as it highlights on a huge scale, like we've never seen before really, the attitudes towards a gay community during the 80s and how the disease was quickly stigmatised. Named after the Pet Shop Boy song It's a Sin, the series pays meticulous attention to both the soundtrack and sartorial choices of the 80s, and it's a faultless lineup of 80s bangers, which includes artists like Bronsky Beat, Culture Club, Blondie. Some of those tracks I reckon you'll also be seeing on our Galentine's playlist too. You haven't had a chance to watch it yet, have you, Hermione? I keep on having it being recommended to me, actually, so I'm definitely going to have to check it out this week. And it's got Ollie from Years and Years in it as well, hasn't it? 
Yeah, it does. And his band, Years and Years, actually covered the Pet Shop single, It's a Sin. I think especially for the series. I'm not quite sure. As a side note, I once did serve Ollie Alexander coffee. Really? When I was working as a barista. <laughs> and it was so cool. And I was so bad at making coffee. But I was so excited. And I was like passing over the drink but i didn't say anything because i didn't want to seem oh my gosh but obviously that's stuck in my memory i think when the first episode of it's a sin came out as well people were very quick to draw parallels between the devastation wreaked by aids and also the tragedy of covid19 um that being you know thousands of lives lost people dying alone in hospital denied the opportunity to say goodbye to loved ones um funerals devoid of crowds and so much misinformation and confusion and the vilification of certain groups of people as a result of kind of fake yes. news basically um and misinformation yeah. which i find it shocking that we're still going through something like that and especially with social media it's actually almost heightened at the moment, especially. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But I think that's one of the great things about this particular programme is that it's as much about education as it is about celebration. And I, for one, have definitely learned a lot from watching it. And so if anyone out there is looking for something to binge during February, get your tissues ready because it is incredibly sad, but it's definitely worth a watch. So as we come to the end of this week's episode, we'd just like to take a moment to remember pop producer, performer and visionary Sophie, who tragically passed away in January this year. It's been a really sad couple of weeks for the music industry and loads of people have been coming out and speaking about just how impactful her music has been for them and their development. Yeah, I remember the first time I listened to some of Sophie's music, actually. I think the first song I listened to was a song called Face Shopping. Um amazing amazing lyrics amazing visuals in the music video go check it out i remember just listening to it and being like i just i have not heard sounds like this genuinely they're, they're so metallic and so percussive it was almost it was almost painful to listen to with with headphones on in full volume because it was it was just so multi-dimensional um and i remember just being like i will never think of music in the same way like the sonic possibilities are just endless and sophie's music did so much for so many different people as well um sophie was known as a transgender icon uh, after affirming their identity in the 2017 video for it's okay to cry which is a really beautiful song and i remember when the news broke of sophie's death a lot of people didn't actually know who sophie was which i think is incredibly sad i can only think of what sophie would have gone on to produce if given the time but you know I think Sophie's music really heralded a new era in pop and the signals path for new direction and so I'm really excited to see where pop's gonna go and I think Sophie's legacy will really live on through that. We're absolutely honoured that we can pay tribute to Sophie not only in this podcast but also via a feature on our website written by Tom Chesworth and we really are so honoured that Tom has written this piece for us. It's so beautiful and I honestly couldn't think of a better way to pay tribute to Sophie. Yes, please do. It's a really beautiful tribute. It's really personal to Tom but I think also there's so many people who will relate to his experiences with her music as well so definitely worth checking out so now we're at the end of episode seven i'm afraid thank you so much for joining us we really hope you've enjoyed listening and i suppose all that's really left for us to say is happy galentine's day everyone happy galentine's day everyone have an amazing time and listen to our playlist bake some cookies drink some wine <laughs> the holy trinity <laughs> peace out
Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out our website, apocalypsemusic.co.uk, and email us with any questions or recommendations on apocalypsemusicsite at gmail.com. You can find all the links to our social media pages below or on our website, so be sure to follow as we have plenty of content on its way and you don't want to miss out. Apocalypse Music.